ESPN Sports Radio 1392.5. Now for something completely different. We're going to bring, bring, bring it all together. Because that's the bottom line. Bottom line. Bottom line. You are listening live to ESPN Radio 1392.5. It's a special Valentine's Day edition of The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Thank you for joining us on this blessed Sunday morning, as always. Good morning, Miss Judy. Please take your meds today. Give us a call, 859-381-1313, if you'd like to join in on the conversation. You can email us anytime, bottomlinelex at gmail.com. And, of course, you can follow us on Twitter, at bottomlinelex. Coming up on today's show, our official Bottom Line SEC Tournament Countdown now down to 24 days. I remember when we started this at 73 days. Seems like ages ago, but it's only been seven weeks. Seems like longer. We preview Kentucky's two road games this week, both in the state of Tennessee, where they can at least bet legally on sports from their cell phones. Anybody want to drive down to Jellicoe Mountain today? There's a lot of garbage on the side of the road where I used to throw out when I used to drive to Atlanta all the time. I digress. Wait, did I just admit to littering? <laughs> Sorry. We will have our unranked trap specials for this week, on which we are a 17 and two straight up and 15 and four against the spread this calendar year. All documented on our podcast at wlxg.com. If you don't believe us, Selection Sunday now just four weeks away, and of course here at ESPN Radio, we are the home for wall-to-wall, gavel-to-gavel coverage of every game of the tournament. And our bracketology 101 class continues today as we focus on the best round to take the underdogs of the tournament, and the answer might surprise you. And forgive us if we're a little louder than usual this week. It's tough to hear with all that money in our ears as we gloat about having the right side in total in the Super Bowl last week. We'll have some Reds hot stove uh, news, because we are the home of the Reds here in Central Kentucky, ESPN Radio. And of course, the most profitable segment in Lexington Radio, our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks. All that and much, much more. On today's edition of Lexington's fastest growing sports talk radio show. But first, Jim Mora. Remember Jim Mora? Who is Jim Mora? Well, there's two of them. There's a father and the son. Both of the same name. The other one, they neither one of them wanted to go by senior or junior, so they just were both called Jim Mora. Great. Not confusing at all. But we're referring to the guy who coached the Saints for a long time and actually was Peyton Manning's first NFL coach. Boy, those two jerks deserved each other, but that's another story for another day. Jim Moore actually won a championship once. The USFL championship. Does that count? Eh, kind of like Tommy Maddox winning the XFL title 20 years ago and parlaying that into an NFL comeback. But Jim Moore coached in the NFL for 15 seasons. Finished with a career record of 125 up and 106 down. And in six chances... He never won a playoff game. So, basically, he's Marvin Lewis. But what Jim Moore will always be remembered for are his press conference sound bites. He has three that will live on forever. One of them, when he was asked about his team and how they performed, he said, we couldn't do diddly-poo. And, of course, his all-timer that everybody remembers, somebody asked him about making the playoffs. Playoffs? Everybody remembers that one. But my favorite one was when he was addressing the media one time and he had just lost his patience 
and he had just lost his will to fight anymore. And you could just hear the just retirement in his voice. And he was tired of the media asking him questions. And he looked at this media member and he says, you guys don't know what we're trying to do. You guys don't look at the films. You really don't know. You think you know, but you don't know, and you never will. Flash forward to yesterday after Kentucky's 82-80 to win and mysterious, controversial non-cover out in the desert, which we will get to momentarily. And John, Carey, John Calipari was at it again with a Jim Moore impersonation. What's been the most entertaining aspect of a 6-13 team? Of course, when it's embattled coach takes to the microphone after these games. So Calipari was quoted yesterday saying, I want this team to finish and be something that people talk about for 20 years. Well, that's great, coach. But the numbers say that not only is that not going to happen, but unless you pull off some sort of miracle and win the SEC tournament, which starts in 24 days, according to our bottom line SEC tournament countdown, sponsorship still available, they won't get a chance to make the NCAA tournament to pull off that miracle finish that people will talk about for 20 years. Another Calipari quote from yesterday. We can do whatever we want to do. We're good enough to play with anyone in the league. We're good enough to get beat by anyone in the league. Do whatever you want to do. You're 5-7 and seven in the SEC. So when you say do whatever you want to do, one of those things you can't do is win the SEC regular season title. That's long gone. That's been gone for a while now. But my favorite quote from Calipari yesterday we made two change, two changes to the offense, and if you know basketball, you know. If you don't know basketball, and you just look at guys running up and down the court, he might as well have just been, then you do know. And at that point, that was his Jim Mora impression. He might as well have just said, you think you know, but you don't know, and you never will. Calipari's been on the hot seat all season. He's taken a lot for the Big Blue Nation, and deservedly so. But when you say things like that, when you start belittling your own fan base, especially one like the Kentucky fan base that thinks they know everything about basketball, you're going to get some heat. Don't belittle your own fan base. It didn't end well for Jim Mora. It's not going to end well for you if you keep that up. Of course, Calipari's a guy who never gave us full explanations on why Keon Brooks was out for so long to start the year. On why Terrence Clark has been out for so long now when he looked like he was only going to miss a game or two. And we saw Keon Brooks dunking all through the preseason. Hmm. Wonder why that happens. But positivity reigned supreme after a game where Kentucky still didn't live up to expectations out in the desert. Kentucky had a comfortable, well, for them anyway, a comfortable lead for most of the second half. Keep in mind, this line opened up Friday afternoon with Kentucky a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Got to as high as Kentucky minus four on Saturday morning. Before settling into its final resting place, Kentucky ended a a three-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. And by the way, we warned you of this in our quick little big blue handicap of this game on our Twitter page at Bottom Line Lex. We told you yesterday morning, if you wanted to take Kentucky, to take them early because the line would go up. Might want to give us a follow on Twitter at Bottom Line Lex, because I can promise you nobody else in this market gives you that kind of information. I digress. Of course, the majority of the tickets and the money out in the desert 
They're all on Kentucky. So it's no shocker that this game ended up the way it did in terms of line out in the desert. But with Kentucky up five in the final seconds, the worst thing that could happen to Kentucky backers was, oh, I don't know, a foul on a three-point shot. So what happened? A foul on a three-point shot. Of course. What else could have happened in that spot? So Auburn steps to the line, 1.1 seconds left. All three free throws, they go down, and Kentucky wins by two. Not the three, three and a half, or four, or four, or five that you needed to get a cover if you backed the Cats yesterday. Of course, the replay of that play shows a phantom foul call, kind of like when Muhammad Ali beat Sonny Liston that second time. The phantom punch. Eh, maybe he breathed on him, I don't know. Who was the ref for that game? Tim Donaghy? Eh, check his cell phone records. So our condolences for those of you who backed Kentucky giving up the points yesterday. That was a bad beat, indeed. And if you want to look up the definition backdoor cover in the Sports Gambling Dictionary, you'll find that that game will be an example. But now Kentucky has improved, using that quote, improved very loosely, to 6-13. and 13. But they're now 5-14 and 14 against the spread. By the way, speaking of phantom fouls, there are a lot of flops in that game yesterday. A lot of flops. Bill A. Beard, Shane Battier looked at that that game yesterday and said, wow, there's a lot of flops here. I guess that ref who called the last one, they were probably on a uh, paid-by-the-whistle mentality when they were doing that. And, you know, insert your other lame ref jokes you've heard over the years. Insert them right here. It's not like baseball when replays, you know, you can correct certain calls with baseball replays. And, of course, there's talk of umpires being phased out for electronic strike zones. You'll never see that in college basketball for sure. But Corey Price, who I follow on Twitter, he follows me. Thank you, Corey. Uh, Gives us a lot of numbers regarding Kentucky basketball. He's one of those stat historians for Kentucky basketball. He, He gave us some good ones yesterday. Kentucky's been within one possession of winning or losing 11 of their 17 games this season in the final four minutes. They're just not winning them. So, yeah, what do you say about that? Insert your cliche here. They can't finish, blah, blah, blah. They've hit more three-pointers, though, the last two games, Kentucky, than any in any two Kentucky games since 1998, back in the glory days. And the recent hot streak has jumped them up the three-point percentage charts after being in the 300s nationally almost all the season. After these last two games, Kentucky now sits... 217th this morning in three-point percentage nationally. It's amazing how they could just have a couple of good games and shoot up the charts. Kind of like when a 200-hitter in baseball has a big week early in June and his average jumps quickly because he's been so lousy all season. But yesterday's win kept a few streaks intact. Auburn still hasn't beaten Kentucky in Lexington since 1988. I was still in high school then. And Kentucky's never lost three straight at Rupp Arena, although they've come very close twice this season. But now confidence reigns supreme. Now the Big Blue Nation, okay, I don't care about the losing streaks. I don't care how many we lost before yesterday. Now let's start here, go forward. What about the SEC tournament? Where can I get odds out there? Well, if you go to a certain offshore website named Bovada, who may or may not have uh, cheated on a uh, national anthem call a couple years ago that I'm still a little upset about, Bovada has 
Kentucky at 20 to 1 odds to win the SEC tournament. The numbers say they should be much higher than 20 to 1. But the books also know that Kentucky is as public as a team gets, and people blindly bet on them no matter what. So why offer true odds when you get get these homers to bet at Kentucky at 20 to 1 when they really should be double that or more? You want to make money on Kentucky winning the SEC tournament? I'll advise you to do this for anyone you think to win the SEC tournament, NCAA tournament, either way. Just money line each individual game and let it ride as you go. That way, you have a built-in hedge if you want to stop or chicken out as you get a certain amount through this tournament. Futures, especially for college basketball tournaments, always bad bets compared to just money lining every game as you go and letting it ride. We'll save that for the NCAA tournament. By the way, Selection Sunday, four weeks away. It feels like it should be tomorrow as long as this winter has been for Kentucky fans. But Kentucky wins yesterday. Isaiah Jackson is the best player in this team. And he has been all year. His efficiency rating, much higher than the next best player on that list. Keon Brooks. And Keon Brooks has only played half the games this season due to his mysterious injury. That's why it amazes me why Jackson is fifth on the team in minutes played. Eh, but I'm not the coach, am I? Well, a guy like Devin Askew, who seems to have everybody in love with him, has played 200 minutes almost more than Jackson, while having an efficiency rating less than half of Jackson's. But Askew is a leader on the floor, and the Big Blue Nation likes the cut of his jib. Well, God bless him. That doesn't win you games on the floor. That doesn't cash you tickets out in the desert. That's what we care care about. And uh uh-oh, look out. B.J. Boston has made nine threes in his last two games. Maybe he's been listening to the Big Blue Nation. Maybe he's been listening to people like us saying he shouldn't be playing. So he's back, right? Just put it right back at the top of the NBA draft lottery like he was six months ago. Well, regardless of what he does the rest of the year, he's gone next season. And so is Isaiah Jackson. So don't get used to those guys. Terrence Clark won't be back next year. K-Rod Fletcher won't be back next year. Why would those guys want to come back after this season? Saar and Mintz, seniors, who could come back, I guess. But the rest of the players, would they'd all be better off returning. But at this point, who knows? You can't worry about tomorrow. Let's worry about today. Kentucky got the win they needed yesterday. And they played well against Arkansas earlier last week. If you ask Calipari and the experts... But they still lost the game, and they lost the game against the spread. So when Calipari and the Big Blue Nation are upbeat after a loss to Arkansas at home, that wouldn't be the case in any other season under Calipari. You're losing perspective. Look at it big picture. Kentucky loses at home to Arkansas, and you're happy with it, Big Blue Nation? Should you be happy? Probably not. Cal says yesterday after the game, that his team could win the SEC tournament. Oh, goody. This from a guy who has said many, many times before how much he despises the SEC tournament. Uh-huh. SEC tournament not looking so bad this year, is it, Coach? When you need it, is it? Uh-huh. It's amazing how when you're winning, you don't uh, want to leave your little ivory tower and wrestle with the commoners. But now this year, you are a commoner. And the SEC tournament is now your best friend. And Cal is all in having the tournament. Yes, he is. As a not not last year, not like any other year, he wants that tournament this year. And ironically, the NCAA said this week 
They, each individual conference decides who their automatic qualifier will be and how they will handle their conference tournaments. In fact, the Big Ten moved their conference tournament to the Indianapolis bubble that'll be used for the NCAA tournament, and they moved their conference tournament to be a week earlier than the other Power Five conferences. Maybe Cal can talk Kentucky into giving S- Kentucky the automatic bid from the SEC because the Cats will bring in more money. That would be a great argument because it's true, but it could never happen. But let's run these scenarios out real quick and say Kentucky runs the table in the regular season like Calipari seems to think he can now. Five regular season games left. That makes them 11-13. and 13. This is best-case scenario now. And since they will be playing early rounds of the SEC tournament, they could play as many as three games before the final game. So if you add all those up, and let's just say they lose the conference tournament final by one point to Alabama, after running the table all the way up to that point, that still leaves this team 14-14. and That won't make the NCAA tournament. I don't care how hot they get at the end. So it's SEC tournament or bust still, as we've been saying on this show for seven weeks now. Run the rest of the table, win the first three of the SEC tournament, lose the last game, In five overtimes by one point, you're still not it. But for today, the Big Blue Nation has plenty of emotions. Anger for a terrible season so far. Pity that these kids have had to endure all this during the COVID. Happy that they finally won a game yesterday. And excitement when they hear their coach say they can win the SEC tournament. And congrats to Kentucky for now being the absolute worst team in the SEC and covering point spreads. What's a rule of thumb when looking at teams that don't cover spreads? More often than not, they're huge underachievers. And if that doesn't describe this Kentucky basketball season, I don't know what does. By the way, who are the worst Power 5 teams in America in covering point spreads out in the desert this year? Michigan State, Kansas State, Duke, Kentucky. He sets a theme on those. Three of those four, Michigan State, Duke, Kentucky, the biggest, most successful programs this century. And each were ranked in the top 13 of the AP preseason poll. So let's look ahead for this team now because we are fortune tellers at Sports Talk Radio. Kentucky has to be the best 13-loss team in America. Ken Pomeroy has them rated 61st this morning. By the way, they were 62nd before yesterday. Huge jump after a a two-point win over a team they were favored to defeat anyway. But this Kentucky team goes on the road twice this week. They'll be favored on the road against Vandy, and they'll be an underdog on the road against Tennessee. And we've detailed Calipari's road woes against the spread all over this show this season. In Calipari's days in Kentucky, when he's a road favorite in the SEC, like he will be at Vanderbilt, he's 47.4% career at Kentucky in that spot. But it gets worse when Calipari's a road underdog, like he'll be at Tennessee next weekend, when Calipari teams at Kentucky are an SEC road underdog, it ends very badly. Calipari, 7-15 and 15 against the spread in that spot. That's 31.8%, including 1-3 this year. And 0-3 since that big win at Florida earlier this season. And that game seems like a long time ago at this point. So the bottom line, Calipari ATS against the spread of the SEC on the road, you're losing a lot of tickets, especially in games that Calipari 
is it expected to win? So let's let's look at Kentucky's opponents this week from a handicapping perspective. Vandy, Jerry Stackhouse, the coach at Vandy, six and ten straight up this year, but nine and seven against the spread. But Ken Pomeroy has no respect for them. 114th in their ratings this morning. But just when you give up on Vanderbilt, they go on the road at Mississippi State and pull off a 21-point road win as a seven and a half point underdog yesterday. Unbelievable. 28-point win out of the desert. That's what you call a rocking chair win. Stackhouse against the spread is career at Vandy. Pretty good. 54.1%. But at this point, in this spot right here, a home underdog in the SEC, eh, 7-6 against the spread. He hasn't been terrible. Versus Kentucky, he's 2-1 against the spread, including losing by three as an 11.5-point underdog here in Lexington on January 5th. Ken Pomeroy says Kentucky will win this game 71-67. I can't lay Kentucky in points right now. I can't play Kentucky as a favorite. If you couldn't play him yesterday, you couldn't play him at all. I can't, especially on the road, I can't play Kentucky right now. But then next weekend, Tennessee, Rick Barnes. 14-5 straight up, 10-9 against the spread. Ken Pomeroy this morning has Tennessee number 16 in his ratings. This comes after... Tennessee loses at LSU by 13 points yesterday when they were a three-point favorite. Rick Barnes at Tennessee, regular season, not bad. 52.5% against the spread. But let's look a little bit closer at this. Outside of the conference, Rick Barnes at Tennessee, he's really good. 62.7% against the spread. But in the SEC, 47% against the spread. Hmm. When he's an SEC home favorite, like he will be against Kentucky, he hits 45% against the spread. That's 18 and 22. And of course, in the regular season, Rick Barnes versus Calipari when he's been in Tennessee, 8 and 3 versus Calipari against the spread, including winning by 11 as a three and a half point favorite here in Lexington on February the 6th. Ken Pomeroy says Tennessee wins this game 67 to 60. That's a seven point margin. That's a lot of points, especially if you're Kentucky on the road. Depending on the line, I think I might be actually looking to play Kentucky in this one. If I could get six or more points out in the desert, might want to check your local lines coming out Friday afternoon. But this is a spot where I might want to play Kentucky, as shocking as that may seem. So this week, it appears to be a one-and-one type week for Kentucky. Not bad for a team that currently sits 6-13 and straight up and 5-14 and against the spread. But after one game, following a four-game losing streak, their coach thinks that they can win the SEC tournament, and the fan base is begging to have something to root for and look forward to with this team. But as only that old curmudgeon, Jim Moore, can say, the numbers tell us that when it comes to this team making the NCAA tournament, you think you know, but you don't know, and you never will. So don't count on the playoffs this March. And that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1,392.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor. Coming up after the break, the rest of the world in college basketball and our unranked traps on fire right now. But first, I am third. They run camps for kids of all ages. Soccer, basketball, any sport, you name it. They are on fire right now. They are open and they're doing all their camps right now during COVID and they use all the precautions Make sure to contact my good friend Jeremy Hobbs at I Am Third. Make sure to check out their website. 
Anybody in Central Kentucky would be beneficial to take their kids to these camps, these sporting camps. Iamthird.org, that's the letter I, and then A-M, and then the number three, R-D, Iamthird.org. Coming up after the break, more college basketball and our unranked traps of the week here on ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. Valentine's Day edition of the Bottom Line with Brad Taylor. Of course, I always say the best day of the year, February 15th. That's just me. I'll be glad when tomorrow gets here because today I'm going to check out mentally, if you know what I mean. Basketball yesterday. Number 12, Oklahoma outlasted number 14, West Virginia, uh, as a four-point underdog in two overtimes. It's one of our few loss in our unranked traps we've had this year. Of course, it took two overtimes to beat us, but that's neither here nor there. Number 19, Creighton was a two-point dog. They upset Villanova, if you want to call it that, by 16. Villanova was number five. Missouri, who we think is kind of fraudulent, if you know what you, if you know what I'm talking about. Number 10, yeah, we don't think they're a team that would come close to making the Sweet 16 right now. They lost at home to Arkansas. Arkansas was only a two-and-a-half-point dog in that game. So you have to ask yourself, why is Missouri a ten point, the number 10 team in America playing at home and still, a uh, only a two and a half point favorite in that game. Uh, makes you uh, things that make you. Sometimes these numbers tell the story. The desert. A lot of times they're trying to tell you who the better teams are just by you know by looking at the numbers. I mean, it's case in point right there. And of course, we also mentioned this one earlier. Number sixteen, Tennessee, lost by thirteen at LSU. LSU was a two and a half point dog in that game. Another thing I saw late last night: uh, former Kentucky player Johnny Juzang. Scored 32 for UCLA. Boy, wouldn't he look good shooting three-pointers for Kentucky right now? Eh, just saying. Just That's not me being uh, mean. Just bringing up the points. Don't shoot the messenger. In the SEC last night, Alabama put up 115 on Georgia. <laughs> Boy, it couldn't happen to a better guy than Tom Crean at Georgia, could it? Yeah. But who are the best defensive teams in America, according to Ken Pomeroy right now? They're both in the SEC. Alabama number one. Tennessee number two. What do those teams have in common? They're 3-0 against Kentucky this year. Possibly 4-0 after next weekend. Another thing that caught my eye yesterday, Iowa, who we think is a fraud, maybe, in the NCAA tournament. But, man, they stuck it to Mississippi. Or Mississippi Michigan State yesterday by 30. Michigan State now 4-8 in the Big Ten. They were a preseason ranked number 13 up there with Kentucky and Duke. And their team disappointing this year. By the way, that game was at Michigan State, and they lost by 30 at home to Iowa. Unbelievable. One of the things caught our eye yesterday, for sure, one of the teams we followed on this show for the last few weeks is Drake. They were one of the final undefeated teams in America. Two weeks ago, we told you Drake was 17-0 straight up, 15-0 against the spread, and had entered the AP poll, and we said 15-0 against the Reds, against the spread records, they just don't last. And it's a miracle they went 15-0 in the first place. No matter who you are. I don't care if you're a non-Power 5 or a Blue Blood. 15-0 records against the spread do not last. And blindly fading Drake going forward would probably be a smart play. Well, since that day we said that, Drake is 4-2 straight up. 2-4 and four against the spread. Uh-huh. You're cashing tickets there. Including a 27-point loss to Loyola Chicago yesterday a game we gave you in our unranked traps last weekend, and we'll have those coming up in our next segment. Ironically, uh, those same two teams, Loyola Chicago, Drake, uh, they'll be playing today 
And uh, Loyola is a small favorite in that game on the road in that one. But let's get to our Bracketology uh, 101 class. We always talk about on this show the underdogs. We love the underdogs. We When do you take the underdogs in the NCAA tournament? Because we are the home of the NCAA tournament here at ESPN Radio. Every single game will be on our radio airwaves. So, yeah, if you want to listen to the NCAA tournament, this is the place to be. I can promise you that. So, Bracketology 101. When do you take the underdogs in these games? Oh, it's the first round. All these all these little teams, they just come up and they... No, it's not the first round. Oh, it must be later. It must be at the end, the, the championship game. Those, no, it's not. It's the Elite Eight round. And the numbers bear it out. If you just take the underdogs in all the Elite Eight games, those underdogs win 48.3% of the time. In the last 15 years, 29 and 31. That's straight up. That's straight up. Now, if you look at the lower seed in those games, not the underdog out in the desert, the lower seed wins in the Elite Eight 53.3% of the time. We're not counting point spreads here. We're talking brackets. We're talking straight up wins. 32 and 28, the last 15 years. If you simply had the lower seed in the Elite Eight round, you had the winner. But let's look at it against the spread. Who's the underdog out in the desert in these Elite Eight games? If you simply blindly took the underdogs in those games, you hit 62.1% the last 15 years. 36, 22, and two pushes. So those are three ways right there where the, the value play and the better play is taking the underdogs in the Elite Eight round, far head and shoulders above any other round to take the underdogs. Whether you're just taking the the underdog out in the desert, the lower seeded team, or what have you, underdogs in the elite eight round. We just told you all the numbers. That's where you make your money. That's where you win your brackets. You got the one versus two seed. Take the two seed. More often than not, over fifty percent of the time, you're on the right side. I can promise you that. And the last fifteen years bear that out. So that's your bracketology one hundred and one tip for today. If you're looking for a round to take. Your underdogs, don't take all these first-round underdogs. You're just putting yourself into a corner. Wait till the Elite Eight because the numbers tell us that's the round where the dogs have the most value, and it's not even com- close compared to the other rounds. So there you have it. And go back, and uh, we, this is our third Bracketology 101 class. Make sure to go to our website, WLXG.com. Listen to the podcast of this show. We have other little tips like that. We, this is our third class. The last two weeks, we've had others like that. So if you're interested in stuff like this, stuff number stuff to help you cash tickets out in the desert and to help you win your brackets this March, yeah, go check it out, WLXG.com. But coming up after the break, it's the most profitable segment in Lexington Radio, our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks, and we will have those coming up for you. But first... IPM Pest and Termite. Hey, they're back. And guess what? In the real world, a friend in need is a friend indeed. But here on the bottom line, a friend in need is a pest. So if you need pests get to exterminate it from your home, call our good friend Matt Schaefer, IPM Pest and Termite. They've been doing it locally here for decades, and Matt Schaefer is as good a guy as you'll ever meet. Make sure to check out our friend Matt Schaefer, IPM Pest and Termite. With the cold weather and then the warm weather coming up, you've probably got all kinds of pests and termites in your place. So make sure to check them out, myipm.com. That's myipm.com to get rid of those pests. Because as we all know, a friend in need is a pest. Big bucks, no whammies. 
All that and more coming up right after the break here on ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. Man, I've got too much stuff on these shows. They give me an hour around here. I've got enough for two. I'm telling you right now. But anyway, welcome to Back to the Bottom Line with Brad Taylor. Unranked Traps. That's what you're listening for. You're listening to make some money on this show. Unranked Traps, where we take the unranked or the lower-ranked teams to defeat the higher-ranked teams. David versus Goliath. We try to find those five smooth stones every week. By the way, just to prove to you how hot we are in these picks, during the ice storm this week, I went back and did some recon work on our picks on these this year. Since Christmas, we've given out 16, or excuse me, 19 picks in this portion of the show. It's only 19 because several of them were canceled due to the COVID. But in the 19 picks we've given in this segment, this calendar year, we're 17 and 2 straight up, 15 and 4 against the spread. So it's not like we're taking Gonzaga over Pepperdine in these picks. We're taking teams that the public and the AP poll says aren't winning, and we stick it right in their faces. And if you think we're pulling your leg on these numbers, uh, just go to our website and uh, listen to the podcast, WLXG.com, and you can find all of our picks documented and accounted for, as only we can. So either you're with us, cashing tickets and needing at the steakhouse, or you're against us, not cashing tickets and ordering a water at Taco Bell and filling your cup up with soda pop anyway. Did I do that in my college days? (laughs) Probably about once or twice a week. (laughs) Sorry, Miss Judy. So here are this week's unranked traps, which will lead into our Mac Daddy Stogies. We've got two this week. Next Saturday, number seven Texas Tech goes to unranked Kansas. Huh. Who saw that before the season? Texas Tech finishing being number seven in the country and Kansas not being ranked at all. Well, some people could have seen Texas Tech. Not many people saw Kansas. We'll take Kansas to win and cover big in that game. So look out for Kansas over Texas Tech next Saturday. And the other one is a game being played today, and we'll make that our Mac Daddy Stogie play of the day. We call it the Mac Daddy Stogie because you can light that victory cigar up before the game even ends. Michigan, number three in the country, travels to Wisconsin. Michigan, 13-1 and one on the season. Wisconsin, 15-6. Michigan, a one-point favorite in this game. Total, 133.5. Michigan, the number one seed in the big tournament reveal yesterday. And they defeated Wisconsin by 25 points at Michigan last month. Home court, revenge, no layoff. Those are all in Wisconsin's favor despite these six losses. But here's a couple of trends we really like today. You'll always like to fade top five teams when they're small conference favorites, and that's what Michigan is today. If you find a team that's ranked in the top five, and they're ranked, and there's the spread in the game is seven or less, and they're still favored, go against them. Fade that. If you've done that in the last 15 years, you hit 56.3% of the time against the spread, 214 up, 166 down. So that's a very good trend right there. So we're going to take Wisconsin. They might be the better team on a neutral court if they weren't when they played in Michigan. Wisconsin wins this game today. We'll take Wisconsin over Michigan. Now basking in the sunlight of being a number one seed. By the way, the last time Michigan played a game, January 22nd. Huh? You don't think that that may have a little bit of a difference? And an added addition to this game, if you're really a degenerate, really need some action today, go under in this game. Because you're getting some free points anytime you have a heavily bet Power 5 conference game like this one, and the line changes in your favor, and no, and the public is not on them, and all those fit this game today in a conference game, yeah, take the under in this one. Ken Pomeroy says that this will be a 66-65 game. 
course, he's got Michigan winning. We've got Wisconsin winning. So, yeah, he's got under. We'll take the under, too, if you follow that trend we just gave you. You'll hit 54% of the time in over 1,800 games of sample size. So those are your uh, Mac Daddy Stogies for the week. Make sure to take Kansas next Saturday against number 7 Texas Tech in an unranked track game. And another unranked trap, unranked Wisconsin today, is a one-point dog at home against Michigan. So take Wisconsin over Michigan. Those, your Mac Daddy Stogies for the today, at least. And uh, if my good friend Big Play Jay Wright is listening down in Atlanta, and I know he is, uh, take Georgia Tech tonight. Four-point favorite over Pittsburgh down in the Atlanta, down in the ATL. Yeah, go ahead with him. You, it's okay, Big Play Jay. Just go ahead and take Georgia Tech tonight. Doesn't Don't question the process. Doesn't matter if the horses are blind. Just load the wagons and let's go. But, of course, yesterday the NCAA released their top 16 seeds for the tournament. And uh, if – you know, they're just trying to get more buzz like the college football playoff does. The number one seeds, Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, and Ohio State. Michigan, who hasn't played in three weeks, like we said. We'll get to Gonzaga and Baylor in just a minute. But Michigan, obviously they haven't played. But, yeah, they haven't played in three weeks. That's fair, of course. If you ask us to create a Final Four based on those top four seeds in those regions, yeah, we'd take Gonzaga and Baylor to make the Final Four. And, of course, these regions are numbered. I guess they're going to be numbered regions this year. How can you have everybody in a bubble and then say one team is the east region and the other team is the south region? Who knows? But region number three, we'll take Houston out of that one. They're a number two seed. Region number four, we would take Virginia. So our final four, based on the big tournament reveal from yesterday, we'd have Gonzaga, Baylor, Houston, with Kelvin Sampson, who's always an upstanding citizen of the NCAA, and Virginia. That would be our final four. Now, I'm not sure how that would look. You know, that's going to look in a month from now, but that's a month from now. That's We're talking about what they released yesterday. But that brings us to a very interesting topic for me, anyway. The props out in the desert are incredible when it comes to the NCAA tournament. But one that was posted yesterday, who would you take to win the NCAA championship? Would I give you, on one hand, I'll give you Gonzaga and Baylor. On the other hand... I'll give you the other 355 teams. And yes, Big Blue Nation, that counts Kentucky. Easy call, right? You take the field. Well, Gonzaga and Baylor are undefeated, and the two top teams in every poll and every analytics rating you can find. Out in the desert, if you wanted to get some action on this right now, you can get even money if you take Gonzaga or Baylor, if you group them together. So you're getting plus 100. And if you wanted to take the field, the other 30, 355 teams, that's minus 120. That's how dominant Gonzaga and Baylor have been this season. And if you look at any rating system, these are the one and two teams interchanged. Nobody's been beating those, these teams so far this season. So do you want to sit there and go against these two teams in the tournament? If there's ever a year to go against these big high-powered favorites, this might be the team, this might be the year, but man. Based on what we've seen so far, it's tough to go against Gonzaga and Baylor, both of them, as a kind of an entry, 1-1-A one one if you're uh, out at Keeneland betting the horses. 1-1-A, one one Gonzaga and Baylor, and I'll, you'll give me everybody else. Whew, right now, I think I might have to take Gonzaga and Baylor, getting even money, plus 100. That's the side I would take. Eh, that's just me. But in the NFL last week, we want to switch gears really quickly on a dime here. I, we've had a really tough week because we haven't been able to hear very much. You know, our ears have been a little stuffed. There's so much money in our ears right now 
because we gave you so many great picks on the show last week. We gave you Tampa Bay getting three, winner. We gave you the total under 56, winner. We gave you five player pop props last week, winners. You made money if you made, if, if you bet on those. And again, you can always check out our work. You can check our, uh, see if we're lying or not, on WLXG.com. So nothing but winners and profits here on the bottom line with Brad Taylor. As said in the movie White Men Can't Jump, it's too easy. Too easy cashing these check these tickets. And, and yeah, I'm I'm done. I'm sorry. I don't want to yeah, I, I don't want to play anymore. I think that's what they said on the court. I'm getting very old. That's a 29-year-old movie, by the way. White men can't jump. 29 years old. A lot of people listening to this right now weren't even alive when that came out. So we hope you were with us in taking Tampa the under last week. Uh we hope you got on the right side on the coin toss, which was heads. I was looking at uh, over our friends over at BetMGM. They reported that 55% of their tickets were on tails. Incredible. So they, they actually made a profit on uh, on the coin toss. If you're betting on a 50% coin toss, you might want to make sure you're getting plus 100 odds. Uh, people paying minus 103, minus 105, minus 110 for a coin toss. Crazy talk. That That's anyway. Yeah, crazy talk. You got to be able to discern your money. Don't cast your pearls before swine. Exactly. Other NFL news from this week. Uh, the, tic- the Texans just released a future Hall of Famer, J.J. Watt. So I guess the story was Watt just walked in and said, hey, I want to be cut. They said, okay, really? <laughs> That's all you needed to do? Well, okay, there you go. Of course, they let Watt, Watt walk out of there. Deshaun Watson's still there. He's asking to be traded. So they kept him. A year ago, the Texans had DeAndre Hopkins, Deshaun Watson, J.J. Watt. All as good as it gets in the league at their positions. And they were up 24 on Kansas City in the conference championship game. Boy, that escalated quickly. Now they're a disaster. (laughs) Like Ron Burgundy said, milk was a bad choice. Another story in the NFL that got my eye. Urban Meyer, up to his old tricks, hiring a guy that was dismissed from Iowa for putting 13 guys in the hospital due to conditioning practices. And, oh, by the way, he was accused of being racially biased by many of his former players, and uh, he was fired for both of these matters. So if you're Urban Meyer, why do you hire this guy? Really? This coach resigned yesterday, using that resigned in quotes. Uh Uh-huh. I guess he doesn't get paid if he resigns and gets paid if he's fired. Whatever. Urban Meyer, up to his old tricks, winning friends and influencing people in the NFL very quickly. At least he gets Trevor Lawrence to start his career. Uh, And a few hardcore gamblers out there. I know you're out there, by the way. Uh, college football, there was a game last night. McNeese State beat Tarleton State 40-37 to in an FCS game. And you're going to see more college football scores coming up. Why? Because a lot of these teams uh, skipped the season due to the COVID, and now they're playing this spring. So college football never ends, although we already have a national champion. Yeah. How does that work? Uh, money grab. That's the only reason that works. So, yeah, to you hardcore guys out there, we'll try to figure out some uh, college football lines maybe going forward. Uh, we wanted to get to the Reds. They got a new closer, maybe. Sean Doolittle. Of course, we're the home of the Reds here on ESPN Radio. Three guys right now. Lucas Sims, Amir Garrett, Sean Doolittle. Who's going to be the closer this year that works both for real-life uh, baseball and for you fantasy baseball guys? Yeah, I don't know right now. Your guess is as good as mine. But we've got to get to a break. I have rambled a while way too long. Make sure to check out our good friends at Clark's Auto Service. ClarksAutoLexington.com. I wrote in here. And, and nothing but warmth and comfort because they fixed my heat in my car. Clark's Auto Service, clarksautolexington.com. We'll get you ready for the day on ESPN Radio. Get you ready with uh, the Angelo Show, top of the hour, right here. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. 
Anytime you got a chick, make sure you play side two of Led Zeppelin 4. Fast times, Ridgemont High. Look it up, kids. Bottom line with Brad Taylor. Hey, I rambled way too long today. We got to get out of here. Make sure coming up on ESPN Family of Networks today, the Daytona 500. So load up the co- the coolers and load up the RV and get your Richard Petty sunglasses out. Hank 105.5, the Daytona 500 today at 2.30. Sadly, Harry Gant, the Skull Bandit, he won't be racing today. Neither is the late Dick Trickle, who ran in a 303 NASCAR races over 24 years and won exactly zero of those races, mainly because his name was Dick Trickle. But tune in to NASCAR Heroes for new heroes today for at Hank 105.5 for the Daytona 500 because it's the only place where the biggest game of the season is the first one. Make sure to uh, listen to us the rest of the day on ESPN Radio. Don't forget, we're the home of the NCAA tournament here on ESPN Radio, and we will have our bottom line bracketology spectacular coming up on Tuesday, March 16th. John Clay, the Herald Leader of I, and I, we will go head-to-head, toe-to-toe, and pick these brackets. Thanks so much for listening today. Coming up at the top of the hour, it's the Angelo Show. He will have the best sports talk in town. I can promise you that. Make sure to email us anytime, bottomlinelex at gmail.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at bottomlinelex. So until the next time, as always, may the winners be yours.